We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it Cashback Match. Now to recap and say cashback one more time. We match all the cashback you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 68, and we have another incredible special guest. We've got another Olympic icon. We are very excited to be joined by the one and only Natalie Coughlin. She's going to join us to talk all things from her swimming to her winemaking and everywhere in between. Plus, we're going to bring it back home. We're going to talk some Cleveland sports, some Ohio sports. We've got our Garage Beers of the Week. We've got our Three Cheers of the Week and so much more. So come on up the driveway, break out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. Oh, yeah, we are live. We are live. We are, we are live. live. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. Even though nobody's here yet, that's okay. Uh, hey, uh, we are going to do a little disclaimer before we actually start the podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest for the podcast uh, this week, Natalie Coughlin. We pre-recorded that, so you're going to get a little uh, a little editing that happens in the middle of this podcast because we're going to throw it to that interview, but you're not going to see it here live. So uh, just know, just working with us, uh, it'll all sound great, but it'll be a little jumpy tonight uh, as we do that. So if you're going to watch uh, and watch all the way through, um, we appreciate you joining us and just get ready for that. But otherwise we're, we're going to get going. Guys are amazing. Amazing. All right. <laughs> and welcome on in everybody. It is episode 68 of the garage beers podcast coming at you live from the Cleveland area. And we're so excited for this one. We got a huge, huge episode for you to listen to or if you're joining us here on the live stream tonight uh for you to watch participate in rules for the live stream though uh if you are with us you better have a beer you better let us know what you're drinking uh and you better participate 
Uh, the yeah. comment section's over there. Jump in. Uh, we always love uh, all kinds of class participation. Uh, but anyways, episode 68 coming at you here at the Garage Beers podcast. You can find us on our socials at the Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram. Find our TikTok page. We're getting back into that after a little hiatus because of family things. Uh, uh, where else are we? Facebook, YouTube. Go check out our YouTube. We post the videos. Anytime we interview somebody, we post the videos to our YouTube channel. Really cool to watch. So go check that out as right. well. Uh, and coming to you, as always, right here live on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go check out Belly Up Sports. Check out the other podcasts on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Uh, and that's uh, uh, got a lot of good stuff going on over there. So yeah. with you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keith. Find me at Garage Beers Mike over on the east side of Cleveland. You see him there lurking in what begins to be the shadows outside on his on his porch. It's Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what's up, Chad? We're everywhere but Tinder, everybody. You will not be found on Tinder. You cannot swipe right on the Garage Beers podcast. Uh, hi, Mike. Hi. Is it, is it good to swipe right or left? I don't I, know the rules on that. I, I got married before Tinder existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah no clue. No. So thankfully. So, uh, so thankfully. Hey, Mike, you, have you ever wanted a Bloody Mary with your farmer's choice breakfast? With my what? With your farmer's choice breakfast? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, but I'm always bl- I'm I'm always cool with a Bloody Mary. How about a Bellini with your uh, honey butter chicken biscuit? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I'm cool with Bellinis too. We can drink. I'll drink anything. Well, today, and what are you talking about? I'm getting to it, you son of a bitch. Uh, well, today, uh, come to find out that Bob Evans, only in North, only in Northwest Ohio, has applied for a liquor license. So next time, you will be able to drink alcohol with your Bob Evans breakfast, or dinner, as, or lunch, as you should you go be. to Bob Evans for. I see. I'm I'm proud of you. I guess now, Joe. Joe's a former employee of Bob. I, I'm an alumni of Bob Evans. Oh, okay. So you're very familiar there, with that menu. I worked there for uh, two years, technically, but realistically more like a month. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> I got the job like like uh, it was like a summer like uh, that I was home from college. And then I just like went back to college for two years and never like formally quit. So I saw like my discount and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and just was, I was in Tennessee and I had the job in Avon. So that's what you do. You just, it, you just yeah. leave them hanging. You leave Bob Evans hanging. Ah, sorry, Bob. It's all about they the perks though. Hard working folks at Bob Evans. You're just leaving them hanging. I, I was somewhat hardworking. Hey, we got Matt here. Like I said, if you're drinking with us, if you're watching the show tonight on the live stream, you get a beer in your hand and you let us know what you're drinking. Ooh. Ten Penny from Homestead Beer Company from Matt Pfeffer from 614. Uh, they got a thing going on, Homestead Beer Company and 614. I know they were making shirts and stuff for them, so uh, that's cool. Thanks, Matt. Welcome. Uh, yeah, Chad, I'm impressed with your knowledge of the menu of, uh, of Bob Evans because I think maybe the Homestead Breakfast, is that a thing? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's actually that's, a menu. That's the only thing I've ever got. If you want to go digging around in Patrick's room upstairs, there's probably a menu somewhere in that closet. And like a bow tie and a yeah. name tag. Yeah, the only, yeah the, only, the only reason I know about anything of it is because every Sunday when my mom dragged me to church when I was a kid, we always go to Bob Evans for breakfast uh, beforehand. So that is my extensive knowledge. That is where my extensive knowledge of the Bob Evans menu comes from. I love it. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, so you heard him. He's back. Uh, down in Nashville, Tennessee, it's Joey Whalen at Garage Beers. Joe, what's up, Joe? What's up? I'm just over here committing party fouls. It's funny. You go from... Um, sorry, I just feel beer all over my desk. Uh, you go from... Uh, I had a Guinness before this, and the Guinness has just the most perfect pour in a pint glass. But like, if you get a beer that isn't like engineered to be measured correctly... And this is no diss because I do really like the beer that I'm about to have, but like it, it was just, it was everywhere. Awful. You just threw it everywhere. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, <laughs> yeah, this is my first no beer. Clue. It's my first, absolute first beer. beer. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome, guys. We're going to have yeah. we got a lot of fun stuff on the docket for tonight's episode. Again, episode 68. Uh, Mr. Brown over here uh, chimed in. Bronco County uh, Country? Bronco Country Pale Ale from Breckenridge Brew. Cheers to you. Uh, and listen, uh, awesome stuff coming. Like I said, we're going to have an interview with an Olympic legend, literally the only person that has more Olympic medals than our special guest on the podcast, uh, this week is Michael Phelps. Literally nobody else from any country ever in Olympic history has more medals than our special guest, Natalie Coughlin joins us on the podcast this week. We're so excited uh, to hear some great stories. Talk to Natalie about the Olympics and everything else she's got going on right now, which includes alcohol, which is great. Uh, Also, we're going to talk about some local sports, some national sports. we got all that coming up and more. But before we get to that, two things we got to get to. One, uh, it's been very cool to see. I've been heading to the post office throughout the last week, shipping off packages as orders have come through. Uh, It's been very cool to see the garage beers merchandise in different cities and different States, uh, people getting them, people ordering them, people wearing them. Listen, it's good stuff. Our buddy, Matt Pfeffer, who we showed you before down at six, one, four, helped us make them high, super high quality, soft shirts, awesome hats, garagebeershop.com, garagebeershop.com. Go check it out. Place an order. I will personally mail it to you. If you want either an awesome garage beers, t-shirt, or a garage beers hat, check it out there. And we even have a deal if you get one of each. So uh, go check that out. Garagebeershop.com. All right, boys, we're garage beers for a reason. It's time for our garage beers of the week, our favorite segment of the week. And Chad's got a Chad's got like a mold breaker here with us this week. So we're going to let you lead it off. Chad from the porch on the East side of Cleveland. What's what kind your of garage beer of the week this week? Ladies and gentlemen, for the very <laughs> first time here on the garage beers podcast, Old Chad is drinking Old seltzer. Chad. Old Chad is oh. seltzer. Look at that. Yeah, a little seltzy. All right. A little high noon sun sip. Uh, yeah. Vodka, vodka and soda. It's made with real vodka, real soda. High noon sun sips. If you're any sponsorships, contact it's me. It's made with bits of real panther. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsorship opportunities. High noon sun sips. If you're listening, which I you know you are, contact Mike Dio Chad himself. Uh, yeah. And it's the watermelon flavor. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's it's really refreshing. It's a delicious summer drink. It's uh, it's one of my favorite seltzers because, uh, you know, to take a to take a word from Joey here, it's got a little only a little zhuzh Ooh, of, uh, zhuzh. carbonation, carbonation. Yeah. So it's very smooth, very drinkable. Uh, I could probably drink 400 of these and not feel a buzz, <laughs> but. I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy them. That's for sure. Um, what's so, better about those, though, because those are ones you can't buy like at grocery stores because it has like actual vodka in it, right? You know, right. like the White Claws and the Truly's. That's all malt. Like that is not 
I don't know. It's it's a little different. And those ones like oh, they're fine and they are definitely good in the summertime. But like ones like the high noons, I think those are like way better than traditional seltzers. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, sir. Well, yeah, I said my first white claw the other day, actually. Your first? Yeah, what? Where have you been? Uh, what? Not on this planet, I guess. I've been under a rock. Yeah. This is my favorite time of the night, by the way. This is the sun has gone down behind Chad, but it's still out. And the <laughs> the lights on the porch aren't bright enough. So now we have the the, the, the witness protection ver- the witness <laughs> protection version of Chad, who's over there like uh, I have a, I have a right. seltzer. <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys ever seen Tour de France? Yeah, I'm just gonna sit back here. Yeah, sit back here. Be like, oh, uh, Joey, uh, I, I, I wanted to take that word for Joey, but I just couldn't. <laughs> you, you guys ever see Tour de Franzia? Yes, of course. It, it's like when they're interviewing Lance Armstrong, and like, are you sure you can't see me? It's just like bright as shit on his face. It's like, dude. <laughs> Did you say Tour de Franzia? Like the box? Yeah. Game? Oh, have you never seen Tour de Franzia? No. Sir. Oh, my God. It's the best 40 minutes of your life. Uh, I don't know what you guys It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. It's pretty <laughs> what wild. Is it on? What is it on? Tell me uh, more about it. I need to know. The internet. It is the internet. Maybe HBO, I want to say. Yeah, maybe. It's like it's a spoof on the Tour de France and how all the bikers are juicing and doing incredibly hard drugs while they're doing Tour de France. <laughs> and so they bring on Lance Armstrong to do like a a uh, uh, protected interview, but like the camera's right in his face, and then they like don't mask his voice at the end. It's like nobody can see me. I can get in huge trouble for being here right now. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Chad, you got a seltzer uh, on the show tonight. Joe, down in Nashville, what do you have for your garage beer of the week? Uh, I've been here before. Mill Creek Brewing. Oh, I love I love that. Like when we do this on Zoom that nobody can see us when we hold like stuff up, it's backwards. But right on the live stream, it's yeah, it's nice. Uh, It's the little things, you know, it's been a long day. Uh, (laughs) I have Mill Creek Hoposphere, triple hopped IPA, triple hopped, triple IPA. Jesus. Yeah, a lot of triples. That's a big beer. It's like a nine. Yeah. Nine oh, yeah. Joe, Joe's going to be slurring words tonight. It's I will be. be hammered. Oh, it is 9.8. Interesting. Chad's going to have to drink those 400 seltzers to catch up. Yeah, oh, you might. That is a good part about the seltzers, though. You can take it to a party that you don't really want to get drunk at, but then you can, like, keep up. Anyways, this beer is really beer? good. Uh, Mill Creek's in Nolensville, Tennessee. It's right by my big ass sinkhole so uh if you're looking uh, at sinkholes and you want a good beer it's just down the street from that sinkhole for sale yeah all right Everybody, so everybody's uh, everybody's lauding your tolerance when you're drinking like like <laughs> when you drink like yeah. five, five yeah. four packs of seltzers and wow. just, nothing's happening <laughs> yeah all right so we got a seltzer we got a tennessee beer and i am going to do a maryland beer so you guys challenged me last week because i had done a couple beers in a row with first names right i did lucy a couple weeks ago i did susan and edward last week so i'm at meyer over here in avon uh this week and i'm like oh shit i gotta find a beer with a first name (laughs) and i'm just scouring because they have a fairly decent beer selection there I'm scouring the aisle at, at Meyer looking for first names. I'm not finding anything. And then I come around the corner and through some, let's call it divine intervention. Okay. This beer looks me right in the face. Oh, 
And there is a first name smack dab right in the middle of it. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me present to you from Dewclaw Brewing, first name, Sweet Baby Jesus. <laughs> that, that's a name, yeah. It counts. Yeah, that it does. technically counts. Yeah. It does. It Sweet does. Baby Jesus. All right. Sweet, Sweet Baby, Baby Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Sweet Baby Jesus is an old classic, and it's an old favorite of mine. I've spent countless hours sitting in the Baltimore airport, and they have yeah. a Dewclaw Brewery in yeah. the Baltimore airport. And so I've spent countless dollars and hours uh, sitting at the Dewclaw Brewery in Baltimore's airport just drinking a bunch of these Sweet Baby Jesus. It's a chocolate peanut butter porter. You can get it pretty much anywhere, and it's delicious. I usually don't like porters, but this is a nice, thicker variety, and the peanut butter is is like... Uh, it's really good. So it's it's just a nice beer that you can find pretty much anywhere. But that's a first name for you, Sweet Baby Jesus. Yeah. I think you guys told me I had to do it all month. So I'm just yeah. going to do it all month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, again, only like three weeks left. Again, I said last week, I'm going to need some help. Meyer, I was at my wits end at Meyer. Maybe not the best place to find a beer, but I was there. So if you're listening to this, if you're on the live stream and watching this, shoot me a beer with a first name in it so I can just go find it a little easier next week so perfect those are our garage beers of the week cheers to you guys here chad and joe cheers to you watching us on the live stream and drinking some beers with us and to you who are going to listen to this on the uh, on the actual podcast tomorrow or throughout the rest of the week cheers to you as well so that's going to do it for some of the beginning now we're going to hop into again something that we're very very excited about an olympic legend one of the greatest Olympians, and actually, if you if you read about her or if you listen to interviews about her, there are arguments to be made. Maybe the greatest female Olympian of all time uh, joins us on the podcast this week. We could not be more excited. So right now, what we're going to do is we're going to throw it to our interview with the Olympic legend, the great Natalie Coughlin. All right, and now we are very excited. We've got uh, another incredible special guest, again, as part of our Olympic series that we've got going on. We've been very lucky to get some Olympic athletes on, and, and this one really doesn't – there's so many so many accomplishments for our special guest, uh, both in her sport and out of it, that it's, it's hard to, like, pare the intro down into, like, not taking up the entire interview time. Uh, so here are some highlights. She is a 12-time Olympic medalist swimmer, a three-time Olympian, a 12-time NCAA champion, the first woman to swim the 100-meter backstroke in under a minute, to win the gold medal in the 100-meter backstroke in back-to-back Olympics, uh, the first American woman to six, win six medals at, the, at one Olympiad. Uh, she's been like a celebrity chef, dancing with the stars, and she's currently making and selling her own wine, and she's a mom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the, to the Garage Beers podcast. Natalie Coughlin. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Is mom, is mom the hardest thing? that I brought up there so far? Mom in pandemic? Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, I have um, a seven-month-old now and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And, a year old. and um, the beginning of the, all this, like being truly locked down with, a, you know, at the time, 20-month-old or, you know, 21-month, oh, wow. was so challenging. <laughs> time, <laughs> like, comes to a dead stop. <laughs> yeah, we're both dads on here. Actually, I have a kid that's just about one month old now uh, and yes. a four-year-old and a four-year-old. And Chad's got a couple little ones too. And yeah, uh, we totally agree with your assessment of parenting during a pandemic. 
Yeah, I've been fantasizing about checking into a hotel by myself for probably the past year. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like any hotel. It could be a crappy hotel in the middle of nowhere. And that sounds so luxurious right now. Yeah. Oh my Welcome God. Welcome to the Motel yeah. 8, ma'am. Right, right. Oh my God. They did leave the light on for me. I think I'll pull in. <laughs> I usually yeah. I usually travel for my job job, and my wife is like, are you going to go again at some point? Like, are you going to go travel <laughs> at some point? Like, yeah, I hope so. I think. Yeah. Uh, so Natalie, listen, we're called, we're called the garage bears podcast for a reason. Uh, and we'll get into all your sports accomplishments and we'll talk about the Olympics and we'll do all that stuff as we approach the Tokyo games, but we've got to, we're, we're garage bears. We got to start there. Uh, we have to start with, and uh, tell me if I'm saying it right. Is it Gadarian wines? That is correct. Uh, Gadarian wines. Uh, Gadarian is the old English word for to gather. Um, so that is my wine. Um, we're based in Napa Valley. We produce out of St. Helena. We make um, old vine Chenin Blanc, Pinot Noir, uh, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Rosé of Pinot Noir, and Petite Syrah. Um, so I started it in 2017 and I will tell you during harvest, uh, most of us after a long day, will have a good beer. So we're, we're beer fans as well. Um, and yeah, it's been a challenging business, especially with the wildfires and pandemic and everything, but, um, it makes a great product. Um, I, I love it. It's, it's really, really fun. And we have, um, some good wines to enjoy. Now you grew up not too far. Uh, uh, from from Napa, Natalie. Now, is when you know when did when did wine start to become you know a a, a thing of interest for you? Uh, it kind of always was. My parents are really into wine, and so okay. um, after church on Sundays, they would go wine tasting. And they'd take us with um, when that was much more acceptable. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and my my mom or my sister and I, we would like run around in the vineyards while my parents, you know, did their little tasting. And I was always intrigued by it. And when I got to drinking age, I uh, started going up to Napa Valley to really learn about it and learn about what styles I liked and what styles I didn't like. And um, just educated myself as a fan and, and never thought I would get into it. But um, my friend and business partner, uh, pitched the idea to me in 2017. And I said yes, before knowing anything about the business before knowing, you know, how we were going to run it. I, I just knew that it, that's a really cool thing that I want to get. Um, that was my foot in the door was partnering up with my winemaker and, and friend. And we've been really successful so far. We've ju just earned double gold uh, for our Pinot Noir, nice, which right. is awesome. 98 points. Like we were so excited. <laughs> Um, we no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. I know it's no, no big hundred deal. point. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But ninety eight <laughs> points. That was awesome. Our Chenin Blanc has earned uh, gold as well, um, and our Rosé has earned gold. So, um, I'm very proud of it. It's not just something that like I, you know, um, loan my name to. I actually work really hard on it, um, both from the business side as well as you know testing the bricks on the wine during. Um, during this the season and helping with harvest like i'm very very hands-on and uh i love it so speaking you've brought up your shannon blanc a couple times and that was the thing so i was on the website looking it up uh, because you know the wife's going to need some presents at some point and bottles of perfect are always good things uh i encourage that highly yeah well that's great uh 
So Natalie, it seems like you guys, you brought up your, your Chenin Blanc. It seems like you guys are having a great time. Uh, you and your business partner, Shane, partner Shana Harding. Uh, I went to your website, GadarianWines.com. And your descriptions of your wines had me rolling on the ground, the Shun and Block specifically, <laughs> uh, which you describe on your website as tasting like Shun and Blanc, damn it. And <laughs> you apparently make that wine by squishing grapes like an auntie on fat baby's cheeks. Oh. So there's other ones. Uh, there's one where you talk about just severely mistreating some interns uh, yes. and forcing them to work around the clock to make very special wines. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like you're just having an awesome time with it. And, uh, and just trying to keep it as, as light and fun as possible. Both of us have, um, you know, both of us are, we have a sense of humor about wine and we want to produce a good product. Um, but we also recognize that the wine industry could be quite pretentious at times. And, yeah. you know, we could go on and on about the nuances of the Shannon and how it has notes of pineapple and, and all this other stuff, which is great. And we do have that when you actually click through the site. We do have the actual <laughs> winemaking notes, but we wanted to in, inject some, some humor into it. Um, so yeah, we talk about torturing interns, which I promise we do not do. Um, but the visual is, is something that at least makes us laugh. And I'm glad you guys appreciate it. We, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on it, uh, actually, because people oftentimes are used to the stuffy, pretentious wine snobs and um, those exist, but we are not one of them. Oh, come on, Natalie. You not you don't have to, you don't have to, 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 to talk around it like that. You, we know you're just sitting there legs crossed, holding out a glass of wine with the interns, just pouring it in the glass. Thank you very much. I'll go on about your name. So do you yes. ship all around? Do you guys ship all around the U S we do. Um, you have to check, uh, d but we, we do, um, you know, obviously not Utah and, uh, there are some challenges, yeah. challenging States, but, um, pretty much. So, uh, definitely check us out. And, uh, yeah, the Rose is perfect for summer. The Shannon is perfect for summer. Um, and, and the Pinot, uh, is great for barbecue. So actually the three wines that we have available currently, um, are perfect, uh, for right now. Awesome. So last thing, before we get to you and the sports and the Olympics and all that, you made note, you said you do crack open some beers uh, after a yes. hard day. So what's the go-to beer for you? What's the go-to brewery or beer? What do you love? I, I love a good IPA, like a session IPA, something that isn't, isn't too high in alcohol, um, but has a good punch to it. Um, so or um, like a hazy IPA. Those are those are my favorites, like those really juicy ones. You notice, Chad, that all of our guests have phenomenal taste, and you just sit there <laughs> and talk about not liking IPAs. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. All right. <laughs> I yeah i i like I mean yeah I like I like a lot of beers. The only ones I can't get my mind around are the sours. I, I haven't. Right. I don't like them. Um, I like kombucha, but I don't want my beer to taste like kombucha. <laughs> Nat Natalie, you and Mike just became best friends with that statement. I think. <laughs> they, make, they make fun of me because I always have juicy IPAs on them. They don't like that I call them juicy, but oh, they're delicious. I mean, a lot of them say it on the can, so <laughs> they That's lean right. into well, it. <laughs> well, he just he, he kind of talks about it like it's a, like it's a little seductive, and it kind of creeps me out a little bit. <laughs> okay, so. all right, <laughs> all right. So uh, again, real quick before we get to you, one of the other things that I saw on your Twitter bio, it it just says sports fan. Mm -hmm. uh, so Natalie Coughlin is a sports fan. So. As an all-time great athlete, what sports are you the biggest fan of? 
And I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out if there's any trash talk that needs to be had here. Sadly, it was the Oakland Raiders. Um, (laughs) Now Las Vegas Raiders, uh, which I am still heartbroken that they left uh, for a second time. Um, So yeah, big football fan, but yeah, I don't know how I feel about the Vegas thing. Um, I've, I've threatened to choose another team but I haven't uh, haven't figured out which team that would be. So I'm still a, a you know self hating Oakland fan <laughs> now 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 Vegas. <laughs> well, now they might be taking the Athletics too. Are you are, are you have any feelings about that? Yes, I have lots of feelings. We had the Athletic, we had the Oakland A's, we had the Raiders, and we had the Warriors all in one location in one parking so awesome. lot. One parking lot. Super cool. I get it. It was dated. It was falling apart, but there was a charm to it. Um, there was this grittiness that I, as a fan, really appreciated. And everyone's moving from the Warriors to probably the A's and the Raiders. And oh. it's it's really sad and depressing. <laughs> well, hey, we've got the Browns here in Cleveland. So if you need to be a fan of a new team, oh, if you boy. can't follow the Raiders to <laughs> Vegas, you come be a Browns fan. There's a lot of us. And we're, we're generally a good time. I do uh, like your mascot. So <laughs> see, there, there we go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, let's talk real quick. The Olympics coming up next month. Uh, we're, it's like the summer games of COVID. They were supposed to happen last year. They did not happen last year. Uh, now they're going to be in Tokyo, a game without uh, any real international fanfare at the games, uh, which is going to be so weird. I mean, you were part of, I mean, when I think of the Olympics that you were part of, Athens, obviously, London, but that Beijing Games, it, it was just crazy. And the, and the fans, and it was nuts, and it was crazy to watch. How does how does the delay, first of all, how, how would you feel like that would impact you as an athlete preparing for a four-year thing, and now all of a sudden it's five years? And then how does the different environment with no international fans affect things? I think the no international fans won't affect the athletes there that much. um, To be honest, like I, I loved like hearing the roar um, after my race, but during my race, you don't, you just focus on yourself and your competitors and everything else just completely is blacked out and you ignore it. So I don't think that'll affect um, the athletes nearly as much as people think, but um, the delay, Oh my God, the Olympic year and the the year leading up to qualifying for the Olympic team and then going to the Olympics is stressful enough without a pandemic. And then you throw in the fact that a lot of these athletes haven't been able to train like they normally do. They haven't competed. They had to add another year to their plan. Like I look at it myself, my last, um, uh, my last run up to the Olympics you know, I was putting off having kids, you you put off your life. And so to do that for another year, like that is so stressful. And then also having it still hang over your head, like this might not even happen. Like I I couldn't imagine, I've tried to empathize with the athletes this entire year. And it's, I I don't know how they're doing it. I know it, a lot of them are struggling mentally, but a lot of them are really, really resilient. It's going to be interesting to see how fast people swim and how well they compete. But um, you, you see these highlights from Olympic trials and, um, you know, most recently last week with um, the U S nationals for gymnastics, Simone Biles is just crushing oh. it. So like people 
are doing well in spite of all the challenges that have been presented this year. But I just can't imagine the stress and like the course all levels of these athletes. Simone Biles, now Cleveland you- Browns fan. <laughs> oh, there you go. Right. There you go. Um, How is that possible? She's from Houston. <laughs> she's a Cleveland fan. She was like at the all-star game when it was here and all that. I don't know. I think her family's Weird. from Ohio. Uh, okay. Uh, now you're not, you're not that far removed from all of this, Natalie. I mean, now, you know, coming up on these games are, are, are the juices flowing for you? Like, are you feel like you want to get back out there and train? Definitely not. (laughs) I got that out of my system. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I loved the pursuit of, of the Olympics. Like I love the day-to-day training and the, and the grind of, being so incredibly sore and then having to push through that and having that camaraderie with with your teammates and the trash talking. And I loved all of that, but by my last, um, uh, last couple years, actual competition, I, I, I enjoyed it, but that wasn't why I did it. Um, I, uh, I ha- got that out of me in my three Olympic games and, um, I'm at peace with that. <laughs> that being said, I mean, I miss, I miss being incredibly strong. I'm, I miss being as fast as I was, was in the water. And I, I miss identifying as an athlete and, um, knowing that I could like kick ass. Like I, I still feel that way, but I'm, definitely, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not quite in a uh, fighting shape yet, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm glad that I'm not competing, but I do, I do miss a lot of, of parts of competing. You keep stomping grapes. You're going to stay in great shape. Sure. Unless exactly. you get to drink the wine. They don't give you that. Exactly. At the Olympics, so you're, you're, you're going to have Saquon Barkley quads before you know it. <laughs> yeah. right? If you keep stomping those grapes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I look back, we did this last week. We actually had a fellow uh, Cal golden bear on with us last week, Matt Biondi. He was there before you, but uh, nice. And also a tremendous Olympic athlete. But uh, uh, looking back at highlights, I was like, all right, Natalie Coughlin, I remember watching all the swimming and all that. Let's go watch some highlights. And I think I found my favorite one. And it's all the way back in 2004. It's your first Olympics. It's Athens. And you've just won your gold medal, your, your first gold medal. And I think the best highlight out there of all of them, you finish the race. And then there's like a they're like showing you for like a while. And you're just looking up at the board and it's like not registering that you have Very just true. won a gold medal at the Olympics. Do you still remember that feeling? Do you remember looking at the board being like, am I looking at this wrong? Like, does yes. that say I won? <laughs> yes. And I'll explain that. First of all, Athens, the scoreboard was tiny. Like it was so small. Um, and generally when we have our scoreboards at a major competition like that, you finish and then um, instead of it being lane one on top and then lane two, all the way to eight, it recycles to whoever's first is on top and then whoever's second, second line. So that that's how it generally goes. So your name will be at the top. If you won Athens, they just didn't do that. (laughs) So you had to look for your lane and then look for like the little number next to it. Um, I, I mean, honestly, that is Athens Olympics. (laughs) Like that is just so perfect um that that a lot of 
Athens was like that. Like <laughs> there was supposed to be a roof on the pool and they just never got around to it. Yeah. Like they just <laughs> never got around to programming the scoreboard properly. Um, Nobody but, told me there was going to be math involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of those things where, yeah, I would think I was in lane four. And so you go down to four and then you, you have to scroll over to the right to see the first place by your name. So that's not the type of thing that you want to do in real time in front of millions of people um, when you're physically and mentally exhausted. So that is why there was a delay. <laughs> it's a, it created a cool moment, though, because it really it really made you feel like it was like an, oh, my gosh, did this just happen kind of moment, which I'm sure is kind of what you were feeling, because you can go through all the world championships you want. You can be the best NCAA swimmer. You can do all that. But again, especially in these Olympic sports. I can only imagine that you win that first gold medal until you win your first gold medal. It's got to kind of feel like, can I do this? Definitely. There, there are um, Olympians that have won many, many medals, but have never won that individual gold. Right. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, the monkey on their back, like the thing like hanging over their head, like the asterisk that when people analyze their careers, they're like, oh, they, they're so successful, but they never won that gold. So I was so fortunate to get that out of my system in my first um, individual race. And I remember even acknowledging that in real time, like just knowing like, you know what, no matter what going forward, I have achieved that. No one could ever take that away from me. And now all the rest of this is icing on the cake. There was a lot of icing. There yeah. was plenty there of was icing. So left. much icing. <laughs> almost too much icing. more icing right. medals. Yes. There's almost too much right. icing. Right. All right. So 2008 felt like, as a, as just an, a spectator, 2008 felt like a different experience altogether. <laughs> it was swimming like took the world by storm in 2008, more than I I can ever remember in my whole life watching. Uh, I remember rushing the TVs. Right. 2008. I'm in my early 20s, whether we were going to like a bar or a house or something, we're rushing to TVs to watch the events. Uh, I remember hating Australia. Like, <laughs> who the hell hates Australia? They seem irrationally. Yeah. They're yes. It's a very irrational. Like, tan. yeah, those Australians. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I love Aussies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how special was it to be a part of that whole team? Uh, because it really was the U.S. team. It was it was you and obviously Michael Phelps and and. And the whole rest of that team that was just on fire, how special was it to be a part of that team? It was so great. Um, it, it was, that was a really special Olympics. Like for me, I, you know, ha I swam out of my mind and, and earned six medals and, um, <laughs> and got a witness Michael win eight golds, which is insane. Um, and it, it was it was overwhelming. Like I had never been to a competition where there are 18,000 people in the stands. Ooh. And um, like, wow. you just look on either side of um, the the stadium and it, it's like ants, like the top of those, those top rows, it's like <laughs> tiny little bugs, like it's crazy. Um, and, you know, the NBA guys are coming to our sessions and, you, you know, you have LeBron and Kobe, like, up there cheering us on. Like that was so cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm very, very grateful for it. And um, I don't know if you guys are South Park fans, but there's, <laughs> there was an episode um, that talks that that's like making fun of the like craziness of the opening ceremony. Like that was so over the top yeah. and amazing. And um, <laughs> my, I, of course I didn't get a go to the opening ceremony because I was, 
you know, preparing for the next day of competition. But my husband and my sister and my parents were there. Like if it was a football stadium, they were on the 50 yard line, like right in front. And they said it was the most crazy show that they've ever seen their in their lives. And like, they still like have dreams about it because it was just, it, it was bigger than life. Like it was, it was awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, back to that team really quick in other sports, football, baseball, basketball, whatever. We talk a lot about momentum, right? A team feels like they have momentum when a team gets hot. It feels like they all get hot. Is mm-hmm. is was swimming a little like that? Like, did you feel like the momentum of all the other racers of all the other swimmers uh, out there having success propels you a little bit? Uh, does the whole team get pulled along? Definitely. I, I, I think so. Um, yeah, because there's an energy, you know, you have, um, we have a team of between 40 and 50 swimmers for men and women. Um, so it's like maximum 26 men, 26 women. Um, depending on how many events we all do. Uh, and so you all have meetings together before every uh, final session and, and every semifinal session. And the energy is um, is contagious. Yeah. Uh, and the energy of the coaches and the energy of the athletes, just going to meals and going to meetings and being in the hallways with one another, that is so contagious. And so... Um, when someone is not performing well, <laughs> unfortunately, those people tend to get um, not uh, shunned isn't the right word, but you kind of stay away from them a little bit just because you want to catch like the good energy. Um, and fortunately, there was a lot of good energy going around. Um, and yeah, it, it was that was a fun, amazing Olympics to be a part of. So by the time the London Games were over, right? Uh, the only real swimmer to ever have won more medals than you is Michael Phelps. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there was so like very few people have done that across all sports. Like, it, it, is it still feel surreal to this day? Like, do you still have this, this moment where you just like, look at your medals and say, holy crap, did I, ju- I did that? <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, especially now that I'm a few years removed. Um, like it, I look at it, like I look back and my mentality going into each Olympics was, you know, whatever event I'm doing, I expected myself to medal. Uh, and the hubris that goes into that is, is insane, you know, but that's also why I was good. Um, yeah. I had that confidence, but, um, but I expected to, to win, win medals. If I was swimming the hundred back or the hundred free or two hundred I am, it didn't matter. I, I expected myself to be on that podium, um, afterwards. And, uh, yeah, I never set out to win 12 medals. I never, never even thought before Beijing that I want to be the first woman to win six first American woman to win six medals in one yeah. games. But at the same time, I expected myself to, to medal in, in all of those. Um, so it was this, weird mentality that at the time I didn't think too much of it. And now that my career is in the past, I I am able to um, recognize my own success and really appreciate it and just be glad that I don't have that type of pressure (laughs) on myself anymore. You know, Chad, we've asked one question to a lot of champions on this podcast, whether they're NCAA champions, football players, basketball players, hockey players, whatever we've asked, we've asked, uh, one question that I think applies to Olympians too, Natalie, do you have all your medals? I do. You yes. have them all. You keep them all. 
All right. Yes. Are you talking about like dupes, like how people will get like fake ones made or? No, it's it's always fascinating to hear. We've had a lot of like uh, uh, whether they've won a college uh, football national championship or whether they've won the NBA title. We've had we've had champions from all over on this show and uh, like they'll give them to their parents. They'll give like a trophy Got to it. their parents. They'll give it. They're always sitting somewhere else. Like, uh, I don't remember who it was. Maybe Cecil Short's dad was like, I'm taking this and I'm putting it in a safe. Like, he's like, I don't even know yes. where it is. My, yeah. yeah, my my dad got me a safe because every Olympian pretty much keeps their their medals in their sock drawer. Like, hands down, that is, <laughs> yes. if you ever rob an Olympian, go to their sock drawer. That's where it is. Yeah. Um, my dad's a cop. And so he he is like, you're getting the safe. And so mine do uh, stay in the safe. They're not like hanging on the wall or anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I do have teammates that have lost theirs, um, oh. or, uh, have auctioned them off for charities or, um, yeah, broken theirs. Uh, but, oh. but yeah, I will say that my world championship medals, I've given those, a lot of those away. I have no idea where a lot, most of those are, but, um, and now I regret being so like, you know, dismissive, of, not dismissive, but like not paying attention to where they are, but at least I've paid attention to the Olympic ones. Well, if you're listening to this and you have Natalie Coughlin's uh, world championship medals, reach out, let us know. Maybe we can get them back to her. Yeah. I'm on Instagram at Natalie Coughlin. So just uh, send me a, a DM. <laughs> Man, that makes me feel so much better about like putting my 5k and half marathon medals in my drawer or, or my closet. I'm like, ah, these are, these are just as good. <laughs> you're basically an Olympian, along. Chad. You're basically yeah. an Olympian. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so here's the real question. What's more nerve-wracking? You're in the pool. You're getting ready for the final heat of a gold medal swim. Or you're preparing to do the salsa in front of millions of people. Hands down, swimming. Like, it is so <laughs> so funny. I I remember doing Dancing with the Stars, and the entire time I I – like, cause I'm not a performer in, in that way. Like I'm a swimmer and I'm an athlete, but I'm not a performer, like a dancer. And I remember telling my dance partner, I'm going to, I'm going to be so nervous. I'm, I'm going to be a wreck. I think I'm going to be a wreck. And then it, the first da- dance came and went and I was super calm. I'm as what? calm as I am right now. Nice. And I realized, oh, it's because the Olympics are terrifying. And <laughs> yeah. there's so much riding on those 58 seconds of your life, like years and years and years repre- are represented in less than a minute. Like that is such a, a thing to wrap your mind around. Yeah. And it that eats away at you. Um, and that's tough. And I will never experience something like that again. Um, so everything else is just easy peasy. No, but um, yeah, no, it, dancing with the stars was super fun and I enjoyed it, but I was quite surprised how not nervous I was. Well, I mean, of course, because I mean, it wasn't really the Olympics. Come on, Natalie. You, how much inspiration did you take from that 2012 team USA swimming YouTube video of call me maybe. <laughs> I had never even heard of that song before we did that video. Yes. And it, it was so funny. And then we, you know, did all the dances for it. And um that song is a total earworm. And so <laughs> I think that was in my head for weeks after we we uh, made that it's video. Catchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Natalie Coglin. Well, listen, uh, this has been awesome. We're gonna let you go. Uh, but uh, one of the all-time great Olympians, uh, one of the all-time great athletes, 
Uh, Natalie Coughlin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Garage Beers podcast. Go check her out either at nataliecoughlin.com, at Natalie Coughlin on social media everywhere, uh, and gadarianwines.com. You can order your wine if it's not sold out. You've got a couple available right now, so I'm already, I'm already on there okay. shopping. I'm already on there doing some shopping. <laughs> Uh, and if nothing else, just go read the descriptions of the wines if you need to give yourself a smile because they're hilarious. But go buy the wine. Uh, check it all out. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. really appreciate it. All right. And special thanks once again goes out to, uh, again, one of the all-time great Olympians, Natalie Coughlin, joining us. Uh, a, how many cool things does she have going on, right? Like she's a she's a chef and she right. has her awards and they're not all in her sock drawer anymore. And, right. uh, and, and now she's making wine out there, but she's a beer fan. And what's her favorite kind of beer? Juicy, hazy IPAs. Damn right. I got another best friend. I got another best friend. Yeah. I mean, I forgave her for that, but, uh, you know, she kind of, be- she kind of became both of our best friends because if you remember, she made me feel really good. Uh, she made me feel like an Olympian actually, because all of my 5k half marathon and a marathon medal, not winners, by the way, are in my stock drawer. So I feel like an Olympian yeah. right now. Okay, Dude, you got Olympic. Top, you basically have the world. You basically have Olympic participation trophies. She has the second most amount of Olympic medals ever by a male or a female, winter or summer, doesn't matter. You are probably in first place for uh, 5K participation trophies. Oh so congratulations. God. That's impressive. Seriously, give me the give me the torch next Olympics. Whatever. Yes, agreed. <laughs> Let me run the torch somewhere. I, I don't love even it. Care where. I love it. All right. So again, special thank you again. Uh, go check out her, her winery, check out her website, all of that. And you can find her on socials, Natalie Coughlin. So uh, listen, guys, it's a weird time of the year, isn't it? Cause there's a lot of stuff going on in the world of sports, right? The NBA playoffs are going on. The NHL playoffs are going on. Obviously it's baseball season. There's a lot of stuff going on, but at the same time, like there's not a lot going on in like Cleveland slash Ohio sports right now there could be there could be could there i mean on a year where the Cavs don't go like 19 and 70 oh right yeah no like the indians were just like playing a little bit above average if the jackets (laughs) didn't collapse yeah right all that there's a couple things that could be happening right now there should be things going on but yeah there's not (laughs) yeah those aren't happening so so listen it's it's kind of weird and i debated if we were going to go over some of this stuff or not but you know what it's it's a funny thing because with only one local, especially here in Northeast Ohio, one local team playing right now in the Indians, um, it's like it's like the drama is taking over, mm-hmm. and there is some drama going on. and And I feel like you know what it's it's making the news, it's making the rounds. We might as well put our two cents in on it. And I think if you know us, you probably know how we're going to talk about it. But that's okay. So a little Browns drama happened, uh, and it's really the first drama of the off season happens on June ninth or eighth or whenever it was. Uh, and that's gotta be a record for the Browns, right? Like <laughs> normally the season's over in January and we got drama at the end of January and all yeah. the way through. Uh, mm-hmm. There has not been that it's, it's been cohesive players are showing up to camp and those of them that aren't are with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham. And, and they're all like in Austin having like a camp or whatever, like everything's going great. Uh, and then the news breaks. And and this is, uh, for me, it's heartbreaking in that this person is uh, um, just ahead of the game. She's she's a, a pioneer uh, as a 
as a football coach in the NFL, a female football coach in the NFL, Brown's chief of staff uh, news is reported. And then it came out with like body cam footage and all that, uh, that uh, Kelly Bronson was pulled over uh, for uh, basically driving under the influence. And she was uh, arrested. Now it looks like some of those charges are going away and, and some of that, but uh, yeah, guys, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of different takes. I wasn't really expecting to see a lot of differing takes because Again, for me, my initial reaction is it's really twofold. Uh, there's there's not a real good reason to be out drinking in 2021 and driving with things like Uber and all that. Like you can always catch a ride. Uh, so I know a lot of people are impacted by drunk driving, whether it's been in an accident or something like that. So I I, I lend sympathy to those people who don't have a lot of sympathies for somebody who got out and drove their car. However, um, luckily, luckily nothing terrible came of the situation and she was stopped and pulled over and arrested and all that stuff. I don't, I'm not ready to go out on and be like, Oh, she's got to go. You got to fire her. This has got to be the end of her career. All that stuff. Uh, it just was a, a poor lapse in judgment. I'm just a little surprised by the people that are just like, get rid of her. She's got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a little surprised at that, too. I mean, I kind of I tweeted about it earlier. I mean, if everybody if everybody got fired after making one mistake, albeit a pretty big mistake, uh, no one would have a job. I, I, I mean, if you if you fucked up at your job in some way, shape or form. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everybody you deserve a second chance. I mean, depending on the mistake. I know, I know it kind of looks bad on the image. I know the Browns are a professional organization, and I know they have that to worry about. Uh, you know, and I know it's, I know this is going to be in the limelight with the Browns, but everybody does make a mistake. And you know, contrary to the belief of uh, on Twitter that people want, you know, I want her to stay because she's a woman. No, I want her to stay because I think she deserves a chance to redeem herself. Does she deserve to get disciplined for it? Absolutely. And she has been suspended by the club. But I, I, I do think she, you know, deserves the opportunity to show that it, it, this is something that will never happen again. Now, Is there, now, is there, is there say, something to – go ahead, Joe. I would say, like, potentially. I don't know. You got Britt Reed, uh, yeah. Andy Reed's son. Right. Same yeah. thing, though, except didn't the girl die? Or no, she's like life. She survived. Or, uh, she survived. Thankfully, she has like critical injuries. So but she, critical injuries that she has to deal with forever. Like, yeah, her life will never be the same because of that. Like, right. Callie is lucky, uh, but doesn't deserve you know to be necessarily let off the hook. I don't think. I think she should definitely be punished by the team. Uh, that's just an awful look. I mean, it's it's very good that she didn't hurt anybody, but it's incredibly irresponsible. You have a bigger uh, brand and image to represent that's bigger than yourself, and you can't get caught going point two one over the uh, legal Ooh. limits of alcohol, yeah. or not point two one over, but she blew a point two one or something like that. Right? Well, listen, listen, it's 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 a fine line that the organization has to walk. Do you want to fire or no? And that's okay. That's okay. If that's their prerogative, that's okay. But that's a fine line. They have to walk, right? Because now you're setting an example that you've got to figure out how you're going to hold her accountable for that. Right. So that your other people in your organization see that. 
so that your players you can't do nothing. That, so that your coaches see that. You so can't that everybody do sees yeah, so that everybody sees that you're doing something to hold her accountable. The most positive thing that can come from it is that she can be a good learning tool for the other people in the organization, specifically these young men that are players that are 22, 23, 24 years old. She can be a good example for them if they do this properly. If they if they hold her accountable within the organization, she can be a good learning tool for those young guys saying, hey, listen, guys, I look what I went through. You guys are out partying, doing your thing. Cool. Go do it. Have a good time. All that. You're young. Enjoy life. Do not get in your car. Look what I went through. My face was just my my face was just plastered all over the news. My 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 dash cam video, how horrendously embarrassing that must be. My dash cam video is just plastered all over for everybody to see. You want to be in that situation? Of course you don't. So it's just up to the Browns and Kevin Stefanski now. Here's here's a good test for him. How do you hold her accountable within the organization? They have to do that. They they cannot just say, hey, don't do that again. And and like life is normal. Hold her accountable within the organization, and it could be a positive thing. Again, not a positive thing in her life because she's got some things that she's going to have to deal with now, legal repercussions. And also, she's like Joe, to your point, very lucky. Oh, yeah. Very lucky that nobody was crossing the street. Yep. Very lucky that there wasn't a car in her way. Very lucky that she made it where she made it without any issues. But she did. And so hopefully they can turn that into something that is actually a positive influence on the team. Yeah, and I think they will. I mean, the legal ramifications, I mean, her license is getting suspended for a year and she's got to do the three day uh, DUI course, Uh, you know, and within the organization, she is suspended. Do we think that's enough or do you think like maybe like a a demotion is enough or is is what's going on right now Mm -hmm. enough for you guys? It's tough because it's tough because I don't know what would be impactful to a coach. Suspension is obviously big because you're not with the team. I don't know if the motion is necessarily the right route, uh, but there's got oh, maybe it is. A, I don't know. It's kind of it's weird. I don't know. See, and it, it's something that needs to be better thought out, obviously, than just sitting around making like you know they're not just sitting making a decision like three schlubs like us. But it's got to be something thought out. She should probably, if I were a coach, she would be, she would become responsible for working with the athletes on the team and the other people on the team on like a program, smart life choices. Look at my example, learn from it. Uh, so again, she can take it as a positive too. Uh, once she gets past all that stuff, go ahead, Chad. And no, I was going to say, I, I don't, I've never seen anything like, I know her title is the chief of staff, but I've never seen or heard anything. What what exactly is that role? Like, what does that role entail? Do we do does that, has anybody you guys ever heard anything about it? Or what does what does that mean? Yeah, I don't I don't know what her exact job description is, other than I think she, as chief of staff, I think she works with all the coaches, offensive, defensive, special teams. I think she kind of does a little bit of everything. But again, remember she coached tight ends at for a game last year. Sure. Uh, I, I think it was was it the playoff game? When when we had uh, no, coaches that were in, it was, it was a Jacksonville. Jacksonville game. Yeah, yeah. She coached tight ends for a game. Like she is a she's talented. She's smart. She's good at what she does. She has the respect of the coaches and players around her. All of that is good. 
but they they need to figure out how they're going to show that this isn't just like a we're going to sweep this under the rug, don't let it happen again, and, and turning it into a here's what you're going to be do to be held accountable for this, don't let it happen again, and that's the difference. So again, I don't I don't want to spend twenty minutes on Callie Bronson again, I, and it, I don't want to come across as judgmental either. Everybody has made mistakes. Everybody has done stupid things. I have done stupid things. So for everybody that's no. sitting out there, like for everybody sitting out there talking about what she did from this kind of high horse perspective, you're not going to get that here. The three of us on this podcast have done stupid things. It happens. You got to learn from it. You can't let it happen again. And and you got to make a positive impact going from there. So anyways, uh, keep with the Browns for a second. Mike, keep with the Browns for a second. Let's go. You're an I idiot. straight A student. Uh, I perfect record. Uh, and you I one time finished a 5K. It's <laughs> Chad, Chad, you're so full of shit. You thought a chip bowl was a hat one time. Well, I was drunk. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and, and if you were there, it looked like a construction hat. Come on. I'm sure it did. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about a little positive news for the Browns. Uh, I just saw this report on Twitter, and I feel bad because I, I don't. I don't remember who said it, uh, but it looks like the Browns have like capped out and maxed out their season ticket sales Yeah, to the point, to the point where not only have they sold their tickets, but they've also reached their limit. They had like set a limit of like a a wait list limit of 10,000 people. They've reached that as well. Like, wow. Yeah. And to get on that wait list costs a hundred bucks. So people are paying a hundred bucks to be like number 9,997 in line to get, <laughs> to get Brown season tickets. One day, one day. They've got uh, all Lambo on us, fellas. They've got all backers. Just in case you didn't think that once the Browns got good, things were going to go ballistic in this town. Uh, yeah. How about that? A 10,000 person wait list full. That's more than the Indians get on a nightly basis. Okay. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. It's true. <laughs> Just no, we never thought we'd see the day. Thank God. No, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, but, it's incredible. Yeah, but that's amazing. I mean, you tell you tell all these people. I tell all my friends from out of town. I tell all these people from, you know, you know, my kids. I tell everybody else's young kids who is being raised a Browns fan. I, Listen, when this team gets good, it's it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. You know, I actually told Jarvis that <laughs> when he first when he first Jarvis who Jarvis Landry when he first came, oh. he, he was at a Cavs game, and I was walking down you know at halftime, and I saw him courtside. I shook his hand. I said, "Dude, you win here, it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before." And he's like, "I appreciate that. I appreciate that." Well, now you're seeing it, Jarvis. I know you listen to this <laughs> podcast. Feel free to comment. Yeah. Feel free to comment what you're drinking. Feel free to comment what you're drinking, Jarvis. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's just, uh, you know, it, it's such a slow time for the Browns. And again, there hasn't really been any drama or really anything to worry about or think about. They're in these camps and nobody really gives a shit. Unlike previous years where you're like, oh, but did you see this guy in the voluntary mini camp? And you're like, I don't, I don't even know who that is, but it, oh, sounds like he's doing great. No, nothing's really being reported about that. It's just, it's great. It's just They're going. selling tickets. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, uh, it's going to be very fun uh, going. Cause into you know, it's, you know, it's not like interesting stories to read about all of that mini camps that are going well. Right. There's nothing exciting right. about that. Right. So the fact Mini that there's not 
the fact that the worst thing we have is like the president of the NL- NFLPA did not make OTAs voluntary, and uh, one of the coaching staff had a DUI. That's like a pretty pretty good record in the offseason. Flying under the radar. Flying under right right under the radar. And I read something today that John Johnson the third is using his voice. Well that's cool. It's good to know that he can talk. talk. His vocal cords. This is a huge departure from I we said it before on the show, but it's a huge departure from Greg Robinson's offseason from two years ago. Now there was only like five thousand pounds of weed. I know, but that's just the, it's the most funny thing to bring up because it's like that was an off season that was like within the past two years. Yes. This off season was like Freddie Kitchen like that. Freddie yeah. Kitchens, yeah. yeah. Dude, he's the real life he's the real life we're the Millers. He just drove. I was just RV watching that movie. From Mexico <laughs> to wherever he was going. It's phenomenal. That's such a great movie. All right. Although, so why haven't they made pot legal? I mean I know they've just I know they've like ease the restrictions on pot but come on just make pot legal already in the nfl i mean hell it's already illegal in what or it's already legal in what 12 nfl cities something like that yeah do Do they still test for it in the nfl uh well if you're josh gordon i bet they do (laughs) i'm I'm betting josh gordon's having a couple other things uh, okay anyway (laughs) not to be outdone there's an nhl team in the state uh and it's it's I don't know whether it should be surprising to me the level of disarray that this team appears to be in. <laughs> Obviously the coach is gone. You started the year with one of your star players saying they want out. Yeah. You traded some cornerstone pieces for good returns. Uh-huh. You obviously don't have a coach yet, but we are not there at the point where you would have one yet. Uh and now you've got other players like most notably Seth Jones, like one of your one of your big time guys you rely on star players saying, Yeah, I'm not gonna resign in Columbus. Well, unless there's a coach, right? What? Is he not resigning period or is it like dependent well, on the coach at all? There's gonna be a coach. No, is it dependent on like who's coaching Eventually. or is it like I'm done with this team, period? No, he said he wants uh, to t- he said he wants to test the free agent market, which he has every right to do. But it's usually I, I, not great, though. Yeah, I think, but I do think that an underlying reason is that he is looking at this roster. He is, I think, he is seeing that it's going to be some sort of a rebuild. And, you know, Seth is, I think he's 26, 27 years old. And although Columbus, you know, I'm sure Columbus would give him the lucrative contract that he's looking for, I also think he's looking for a, a, a better situation to where he wants to sign long term at. So I, I, I really. I, I don't see Seth, I don't see Seth here this year. <laughs> it makes alone. me like I feel like it, maybe maybe it's just in my head that I felt like maybe I'm just too optimistic on the Blue Jackets. Like maybe I'm just too optimistic on them because I just feel like going into this offseason they have a chance to really make a very fast turnaround with that team, and and then things continue to happen where I'm just I'm like shaking my head like. It maybe things are worse than I think they are, because I don't it doesn't seem that bad. Obviously, you find a coach, and that's a big piece of it. But it seems like you're got an opportunity to really turn things around. And and then you hear these stories, and you're like, oh shit, maybe they're not that close to turning things around. Yeah, a couple of, a couple of right moves, and they can be right back in it. 
you know, like we talked about it before, if they if they're able to snag a a, a, a first line center, a top, a top six center, top three center, uh, I, I think that's going to do wonders uh, for them offensively. Uh, but uh, you know, really, they need two. I mean, they need a couple of guys that can win faceoffs uh, consistently. You know, so if they, if if and if Yarmo is able to acquire that sort of talent, I think they can turn it around really quickly. But you know, obviously, a veteran like Seth, who's looking for a big, you know, who's looking for a big contract and a good situation. I mean, he doesn't see anything happening right now, and he wants to test the free agent market. And yeah, I, 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 I don't see. But the good news is, on the other side of that, if you're going to trade Seth this year, he should garner a nice return. So yeah. it's 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 going to be interesting to see. Like you know, I've heard a couple of teams. I've heard L.A. I've heard Chicago. Um, uh, and, and Edmonton, uh, and yeah. those should those should garner some nice returns for the Blue Jackets. I mean, L.A. especially. L.A. Not only do they have a lot of really really good young talent, but they also are very rich and deep in, in their prospect in their minor league system. So we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, I but I, I think when it all comes down to it, I'm not expecting to see Seth in the Blue Jackets uniform this year. And, and Dave Metzold, when he came on with us a few weeks back, maybe I should have paid a little bit more attention because he was not talking super optimistically about the <laughs> near future. Yeah. He didn't sugarcoat uh, anything. The prospects of the near future uh, for the Blue Jackets. He he was not uh, super optimistic. Uh, uh, and maybe I should have paid closer attention to that because, I, I, again, I still think, like what can I, I just I think Yarmo's a great GM. What can he do with three first round picks? Go go do something with three first round picks yeah. to make an impact on this team. And I think they can do that. But uh, I guess we're gonna see. So Blue Jackets are in disarray. The Browns finding themselves in a little bit of drama this week. Thankfully, the Indians have been a li- at least a little bit of a saving grace playing average baseball. Yeah, mostly. Uh, How but, do you feel about that, Joe? How do you feel about that? Well, let me start. I want to yeah. say I want to give a little credit to Joe. Uh, we're recording, right? Okay. I want to give credit to Joe <laughs> as this Indian season seems to be progressing just like Joe said it was going to. Yeah. Like, they're just super average right now, right? They got fucking smoked by the Orioles. Well, but that happens every – I don't know what it is about the Orioles, but every time we go to Camden, it's it's a weird, weird, weird vibes there. I think Baltimore scored 18 runs all year. And then like the last game of that series, they scored 18 runs against the Indians. Yeah. Like, just smoked against the Orioles. But then they, but then they come out and well, they're not doing so great tonight. They're getting smacked up pretty good by the Cardinals, but they smoked them last night. They're just so hot and cold, but very much like you said, Joe, the season is just kind of progressing. Here we are June, June 9th. They are in second place in the division. Mm-hmm. Playing slightly above average baseball, uh, and and you kind of said that's how the first part of the season was going to go, and and here we are, and that's exactly yeah. what's happened. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's kind of just textbook Terry Francona, I think, and his teams, the way that they're built and the way that they execute throughout the year. They have this atrocious start, and everyone freaks out at the beginning, and then June they start showing flashes of getting hot. Uh, July and August, they start getting uh, some flashes of consistency, and then they get your hopes up for September, and then get knocked out the first round. So it's oh. kind of it, 
I hope that doesn't happen, but uh, it's, it's nice to see that they're playing some better baseball as of late. Uh, <laughs> it makes the season much more enjoyable to watch when uh, you have good pitching and then you're scoring more than one run or zero runs. That's like, that's yeah. always fun to watch. Uh, you know, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get our, our pitching rotation. We're pretty decimated right now. we got Tris McKenzie that's in AAA and he just hasn't really panned out very well. Zach, please ripping shirts off and breaking thumbs. Uh, you know, we're a little depleted his there. Own thumb, his own thumb. And it's not the Indians of, you know, two, three years ago when we have 10 MLB ready prospects waiting down in Columbus and an actor waiting to, yeah, waiting to uh, uh, come up and fill in for a start. So we're definitely inheriting a little bit more on the starting pitching. I think than we were expecting this year, but uh, it's, it'll be fine. I, I don't see any, way that we're not going to make some type of uh, bid for the playoffs the second half of the season. Boy, they're, they, re- they're really feeling the police act though. The police act. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, it's those, bad. Those bullpen games have been just God awful fellas. He's the next one awesome. to go. He's absolutely the next pitcher to go. Oh, it's, it's been terrible. That, that, that was the, the, the 18 run shellacking against Baltimore. That was a bullpen game. They had three guys give up 15 runs. Like what? The they f- could trade. They could trade him at the deadline. Like if they're like seriously <laughs> looking for something to pull in, or if they're on the verge of selling, exactly. Zach, how how can you pull? How can you trade him right now? I don't know, but like exactly he's a liability. Yeah, but you have nothing to replace him with. <sighs> Nothing. This is not previous. If, if they are on any verge of selling this year, he's gone. I, 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 I they have to not sell. They're, they're, they're going to be in contention at the deadline. They're going <laughs> to be close enough. And the thing about the team is, it just, it's you've got that back end of the bullpen that's been so good, right? They have two blown saves this year. Two, one, two blown saves. One from Classe. One from Karinchek. That's it. That's crazy. Yeah. They've been so good at the back end and your starters can't get you there now. Like that's the difference. It's weird. In Indians of years past. I, I don't know if they've got the answers at some of these positions. Now, thankfully they ended the, the Jake Bowers experiment and Bobby Bradley's he's going to come up and hit. All right. If you think he's going to hit three fifty this year, he's not going to stop that, but he provides a little pop. Uh, Harold Ramirez has been spectacular. Yeah. Uh, what a find for them. Uh, they're going to need Mill should be back soon. Yeah. Fran Mill should think, be back soon. And they're going to need to find, they're going to need that trade deadline to find probably two, maybe three pieces. One of them is going to have to be a starting pitcher. You yeah. can't trade Zach Plesak. It's, it's, it's weird that you're in a position that we're looking at starting pitching, but man, it is just not there this year. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Cleveland sports. The Indians are like a slightly That's it. average, and then not a lot, or not just Cleveland sports, but Ohio from the mid up. Uh, not just not a whole lot going on right now. So let's look around. Let's look around the rest of the world of sports. Let's stay in baseball for a second because I guys, love this. What you guys don't want to talk? What Lake County Cap- you don't want to talk Lake County captains or like Lynchburg yeah. Hillcats? <laughs> or like I need I need seventeen seltzers. Okay. To get into that. All right. All right. All right. Perfect. Uh, uh, let's look around just the world of sports in general. Let's keep it in baseball. I love this. I think this is going to become like a, a problem. This sticky shit that pitchers, you keep seeing them like sticking yeah. their fingers to their glove and it just sticks. And they, 
Karen Jack had it in Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. you don't just touch leather and then your fingers are like, bah, oh, and they yeah. like pop off the glove. I think so many pitchers use substances on their gloves, on their hats, on their arms, on their shirts. Oh, sure. And all of a sudden, baseball's like, wait, there's so much video evidence of this shit going on right now that baseball is now instructing the umpires. You need to be looking for it, like actively looking for it. It is such bullshit. Not that they're cracking down on it, but that it's taking as long as it has to crack down on it. Look, everyone's wondering why the strikeout rate. Well, one, the strikeout rate is really high because everyone's trying to hit out of the park. But like you're getting pitchers that shouldn't be throwing the ball the way they are throwing the ball the way they are. And uh, it, it's amplifying the talent pool on the pitching side, but it's hurting the offense of the league in the long run. Now that's not an excuse. Cause it's easy to say that for the Indians because their offense is generally pretty bad and other teams hit very well. Uh, but it's just, it's like, stop, just, you don't need that. And it's, it's weird. Cause it's been so prevalent forever. Like, I, I don't know the time that they really cracked down on it widespread. There's this couple of specific cases where someone might get called out during a game. Right. Uh, but not a lot, but you could see, I mean, it doesn't matter what year you're talking about. You'd see a pitcher with a little black spot on his head or uh, like the inside of their undershirt. They'll go up like after every pitch and just do like a little scratch or something or and, and like, it's like fidgety, but it's not fidgety. They're just grabbing some shit to make their ball spin more. Uh, Chad's got something smart ass to say here. I can just see it in his, in his face. Chris go. Bardo. Get another two to three inches drop on the curveball. And if I do it, I just wipe a little jalapeno on my nose. Oh, God. <laughs> you, put snot, uh, you put snot on the ball. I, uh, I, gotta, I ain't as young as you. You got to get, get, get any. I, I love it. <laughs> you almost had the quote. The major yeah, I, like, I, 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 I had it. I was like, I ain't as young as you. You I were there. Find any advantage I can find. But no, guys, baseball, I get it. I get it. You kind of want to police it. You, you want, Chad, you, Chad you, just you, wants people to cheat in baseball. It's a game that since the beginning of time has been built on cheating. So but your steroids shocked, argument won't fix this. Anybody who was shocked that that these guys are putting substances on the ball to, to, to make it bounce a couple extra inches when they're when, when they're throwing a cutter or a screwball should not be shocked. Okay? Okay, I mean, yes, is it wrong? Yes. But does it make baseball more fun? 100,000 percent. I don't think this makes baseball more fun. I I don't think this does. I'm with you on the steroids. Let's just juice them all up. Let's go. Yes. I don't think this this makes baseball more fun. This makes it impossible to hit baseballs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although I'm a defensive guy, I've always liked it. You know, I've always liked it. Oh, you know, one of the guys, did you see see the numbers? Did you see the numbers for Garrett Cole? Because remember, he threw like a dominant game against the Rays. Somebody called his ass out for having a substance. The next game, it was another game against the Rays. They could like measure his spin rate, his velocity, all that stuff. All of it was in the toilet and he got slaughtered in that game. Like, look out. Yeah. One of the guys I saw uh, a video of, I, I saw like a compilation of pictures that were like, like someone had put together like, Oh, it's weird that their fingers are doing this kind of thing. 
And uh, one of them was uh, Mike Fires, who is, of course, the uh, guy who ratted out the entire Houston Astros organization. Yes. So, kind of suspicious. And he does have two no hitters to his name. So, uh, interesting little Mike. Are no hitters the most irrelevant thing I'm, in I'm, any now, sport? Now yeah. they are. Now they are because there's just yeah, been so I many agree. of them this year. Six in two months. Right. And then like, okay, like I guess it used to be like if you're a pitcher and you're throwing no hitters, it's like, whoa, you're amazing. Now it's like, oh, all right, some random dude, John Means or whatever, chucks a no hitter. And, uh, okay, nobody will ever remember it except for his, the Means family. And they'll talk about it every Christmas. And he'll show videos <laughs> to his grandkids one day. And, and in the meantime, the whole rest of the world will be like, uh, what's a John Means? Yeah. Yeah. I just well, feel hey. like it's a, I feel like when you used, used to be something to get so excited about now, it's like, uh, okay, whatever. He'll have that memory to hold on to though. Good for you, John. Good for you. Oh, All right. John means. So no more controversies. Let's just talk about shit going on. And in the world of sports, there's two incredible playoffs going on. There's the NBA and there's the NHL. Chad, I know you got eyes on the NHL, so we'll just start there. Uh, did the Islanders ice the Bruins yet? Three minutes to go, boys. The Islanders are up four to two. Let's go. Oh, shit. So, let's go. Okay, let's start. Let's go. Let's do a quick rundown of the NHL playoffs. First things first, fucking Canadians, man. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> not only are they, like, uh, making a nice little run through the playoffs, they are smoking everybody they play. Oh, yeah. Like, they smoked. They are smoking their way through the playoffs. They smoked Toronto. They crushed Winnipeg. What? Why? why, Okay. Why can the Canadians not ever win in the regular season, but they do this in the playoffs? This is not weird for them. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I I, I don't know. I I mean, it's the ghost of Guy Lafleur's past, maybe. I don't don't know. They're just channeling that. Um, But, you you know, after the Leaf series, you know, you had a feeling that, uh, they were they were they matched up with the Jets a lot better, and then when the Jets lost Shifley after that hit, yeah, uh, for four games, uh, that just it, it kind of took the wind out of the sails of Winnipeg. It took you know it, it was the equivalent of losing Tavares, the Leafs losing Tavares. Only the you told Jets me that didn't have a deal last week. Only only the Jets didn't have as much, don't have anywhere near the firepower on offense that the Maple Leafs do. And that's, I think that played a part in the Canadians sweeping the Jets. But also, my God, man, Carey Price is just, he's the best goaltender in the playoffs right now. It's him, then Beth It's Lefty, crazy. And that's it. Yeah. It's, uh, okay. Did you see what the CN Tower in Toronto did? Oh, my God. <laughs> what a travesty. What, are you what doing? a travesty. So, so Montreal. <laughs> idiot. Who, what idiot thought of this? Montreal. Beats Winnipeg. So Montreal now is one of the final four teams. They're in the semifinals for the Stanley Cup. They're hated, heated rivals in Toronto. The CN Tower lights up in Canadiens colors and like posts on Twitter like, you're representing all of Canada now and best of luck to the Canadiens. Boys, what? That is uh-uh. the equivalent. That is the equivalent of like, the Pittsburgh Steelers knocking the Browns out of the playoffs 
And then the terminal tower just lighting up in black and yellow, being like, well, Pittsburgh, you are representing the division now, so best of luck to you. Oh, we would burn God. that thing to the ground. Right. It's very Canadian is, of them. Uh, no, not okay. Not okay. Sometimes very it is Canadian. not okay to be polite like a Canadian. This is one <laughs> of those times. Uh, uh, yeah. There should be and, riots. <laughs> and in years past, I think that would have happened, but I don't know. Maybe it's the pandemic brought everybody together. I don't know. Or maybe it's just a troll job. Maybe someone maybe someone worked at the CN Towers from Montreal and was like, hey, I'm going to get these guys. But I, 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 I don't know. Jean-Luc Rampier posted it on Twitter, too, and he's like, this is the equivalent of the horseshoe lighting up in maize and gold saying, good luck, Michigan, on your future. Like, what? <laughs> what are they doing? That is not what this is all about. You are supposed to decorate the CN Tower like a middle finger and be like, this is what we think of you, Canadians. Hope you lose in the next round. <laughs> yeah, I hope they can see that, that from Montreal. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> so Canadians move on. They have been spectacular in the playoffs. One of the best teams in the playoffs. They will face the winner of this next series. And what a freaking series it has been. Oh, Colorado and Vegas. Colorado from the beginning of the playoffs looked like the team to beat. They looked like the team to beat. They go up two games to nothing on Vegas and Vegas has come roaring back, including beating Colorado to take a three, two series lead in Colorado. Boys, what, what's the story of that series? They figured out how to contain that top line of Colorado. I, yeah. I mean, these, these last two games, they have, been, they have, suffocated Nathan McKinnon. I mean, he just, he can't make any, he can't make any plays. You know, it's similar to what, uh, it's similar to what Winnipeg did to Connor McDavid, but I mean, the biggest difference is Colorado has so many more playmakers uh, on offense, but they have figured out how to suffocate that top line. Their top, well, the top two lines really uh, are, are, are the main arsenal (laughs) that that Colorado has. And, uh, you know, Vegas, they're a team that hasn't, uh, that's just as fast. They're they're also four lines deep. Uh, And it's a much different team than St. Louis because uh, it's a much different team than St. Louis because, like I said, because of their depth, because of their speed, because of their skill. And boy, oh boy, uh, Vegas, they looked like they were on their way. They looked like they were on their heels after those first two games. But they, they certainly figured it out. Uh, against Colorado, and I would not be shocked to see them close things out at the Fortress tomorrow. When you talked about yeah. Carey Price, you talked about Vasilevsky. You got to throw some love to Mark Andre Fleury out there. Like the guy is just—he found it when he went to Vegas, and he hasn't lost it. He—he he has found it. Yeah, uh, he, he has found it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I—I I thought it was. I thought I thought this game was going to go to Colorado after I saw that first goal that he led in last night. That was so uncharacteristic of Flurry, uh, and he knew it. Too. I mean, he, I mean, he, he saw it when it went in. Colorado scored with like 0. .8 seconds left on the clock in the first period, and <laughs> as soon as he let it in, I don't know in what world as a goal <laughs> you bring your go- your glove across your body on a high on a shot high to your stick side, and it just went in, and it went in, and he looks at it and he goes. 
it, it was just so uncharacteristic of Flurry. But you know, he settled in after that. He made some huge stops because Colorado's a team. That, Colorado's a team that's going to generate a lot of chances uh, due to their speed and skill. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Mark Andre Flurry. I wouldn't. You know, if he wins, if he somehow wins the cup this year and the Vesna, I mean, what else? Le- what else do you have left? Have left nothing. To accomplish? Nothing. You have nothing. That's a Hall of Fame. That dude's a Hall of Fame goal. That there is nothing left to accomplish. You have nothing left. Nothing yeah. left. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I feel like we made a dramatic mistake in the beginning of the playoffs when we were kind of breaking things down. I feel like we made a dramatic mistake. The Lightning make their series with the hurricanes just look easy. Just yeah. absolutely made that look easy. The hurricanes just even in games where the hurricanes look good, like the final game of the series, like, Oh, we'll put up four goals or, or whatever. Tampa's like, yeah, we'll do five. It's fine. Or we'll do six. No big deal. Uh, why do I feel like we all, like we were all talking about who we thought was going to really be good in the playoffs. Why do I feel like we all just overlooked the defending Stanley cup champion, the Tampa Bay lightning? You know why? And, Okay, Joe, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say they've been the team to be for the past three years, and I feel like every year we keep looking over them. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants Tampa Bay to win. I just as a city, but eh, whatever. Fair. Now Tampa's my next team that like I mean, I'm okay if they win another cup, but now that Boston has just been eliminated. Uh yeah. Uh Tampa's my next one. I, I mean I think whoever's gonna win that Vegas Colorado series is a cup winner, but uh, you, Mike, you talked about underestimating Tampa. <laughs> like you just did right there. I, th- I, think, um, I, think one of the biggest re- I think one of the biggest reasons why is because you had no idea what you were going to get. I mean, obviously, you know, you, know this, you know what Stamkos and Kucherov bring to the table, but you, they were coming off huge injuries. You had no idea what they were going to contribute. I think Kucherov, in his first game back, had like four points. So, right. I mean, he, he made an immediate impact. So after that, you were like, oh, okay, Tampa's back. So And they back. Yeah, and they're actually going to play the Islanders here because the, you know, they're down to four teams now, and those four teams were going to get reseeded due to, uh, uh, according to, I believe it's points or points percentage. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't matter anyway. It, it's it, The Canadians are going to play, uh, or are going to be that Whoa. four seed, and they're going to play... Uh, the winner of that Vegas and Colorado series. So so far, it's great stories in the playoffs, though, right? Sure. You've is. got two teams, the Canadiens, the Canadiens, not the very last team to get into the playoffs was the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. The Canadiens are the last team to get in. They're one of the final four. Right. The the New York Islanders take out the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Phenomenal regular season, dud in the playoffs, just like they've done each of the last like three or four years. Yeah. Boston, once they finished that series with Washington, you were like, oh shit, Boston might win the cup. Right. The Islanders take them out in six games. So you've got these two like incredible surprise teams that are playing the best hockey they've played all season, better than the best hockey they've played all season. Yeah, And then you're going to have one of Vegas or Colorado, which neither one surprises you if they make it to the final four. And you're going to have Tampa of uh, a team that should be a cup favorite that we all overlook for no apparent reason. Anyways, like what a great set of storylines going on in the NHL. 
Yeah. You know who this you know who Montreal is this year? Montreal is this year St. Louis Blues, the year that they won the cup. Yeah. They, that, yeah, I right. Remember, I, I think that was I think that year in December, the year that they did it in December, two years yes. ago. St. Louis was a dead last. Yes. <laughs> like there, there was no hope of them making the playoffs. Then they go on a run, make the playoffs, and, and play the best hockey that you know they played in years and years and years. And then they come out winning the cup. So crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's nuts. Crazy. All right, so from the NHL to the NBA, real quick, a uh, couple great storylines going on in the NBA. We're 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 into the second round now. Uh, first of all, uh, what an MVP selection uh, of all the great players uh, in in the NBA, the LeBrons and the Steph Currys and all that. Uh, Nikola Jokic wins the MVP from the Nuggets. Uh, just shout out to him. I don't know. I don't really have a lot to contribute to that other than uh, it's really cool that he is so well recognized for being as good as he is because he is so good at everything. Like he's that guy that like scores 34 points and grabs 25 rebounds and you read it in the box score and you're like, Oh yeah. Jokic did that. <laughs> you're like yeah. <laughs> anybody else in the NBA. You'd be like, what was that? And with him, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah he did that. He is, yeah. he's good inside. He's good outside. And he's a huge reason the Denver nuggets are in the second round of the playoffs against the Phoenix suns. Uh, so yeah, just uh, uh, kind of cool to see some, some fresh blood and uh, fresh faces uh, hoisting up the MVP trophy. Um, does go he ahead. embody? Does he embody this new generation of center? Like, is he like? Is he yeah. like the like when you're like when you're when you're like I need a center for my NBA team? Is is Nikola Nikola Jokic? Jimmy Joe Kitchen? Jimmy Joe Kitchen? Did you did you see that guy? Jimmy Joe Kitchen. I mean, is he, is, is he the, 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 I mean, I, obviously he, well, here's the answer. Here's the answer. He's, he's the guy you're looking for, right? For your starting. Here's five. the answer. Look at the three finalists for the MVP. One of them was Steph Curry. Yeah. Knock him out for a minute. The other two Jokic who won it. And then a player who plays exactly the same kind of style of basketball as Jokic, Joel Embiid. Okay. Two centers. Two guys that play outside, inside, defensive, uh, rebounders. Like, uh, yeah, that's if you're going to be a big man in the NBA and you want to be tremendously valued, sure, you're going to have value as a, if you can be a defensive presence, shot blocker type, cool, you'll have value like Rudy Gobert. If you're going to be a, uh, just a strictly like shooting threat, you're going to have value fine. However, the value that these seven plus foot guys bring that can handle the ball, pass the ball, shoot the three, but also have incredible post moves, uh, are dominant on defense and offense and everywhere in between. Uh, they're not easy to come by for sure. Is that being good from the outside? Oh yeah. Is he? Yeah. Joel Embiid's a shooter. Is he? No oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Joel Embiid's a shooter. He's, I mean, he's not you know, he's not Steph Curry. But you leave Joel Embiid open from three, he'll knock it down. Like that—that that is what it is. Uh, and he's and he's incredibly athletic. So, yeah. Uh, again, just cool to see this. That's kind of the story of this postseason, really, in the NBA. Is there's a lot of out with the old guard. It starts with yeah. LeBron James. LeBron James 
who I will never say a bad word about, knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. By who? By a team led. A lot of people give credit to Chris Paul, and they should. So he's kind of the old guard. But a team led by one of the young, up-and-coming stars in the NBA, Devin Booker. Uh, His performances in that series were incredible. Uh, The Nuggets and their young stars. The uh, who else is is still uh, Utah? Look at Utah and Donovan Mitchell and their and their studs. Uh, even on the east side, the the Hawks are giving the Sixers everything they can handle right now. Like it's just kind of this new. It, it's it's like a, almost a changing of the guard a little bit, and it's it's fun to watch. Uh, however, having said all that, we can talk about the Jazz all we want. We can talk about the Nuggets, the Suns, the Clippers have looked okay. Uh, great series with the with the Mavericks, uh, the Clippers and the Mavs. Kawhi Leonard was phenomenal in that series. Uh, having said all that, can anybody stop Brooklyn? No. <laughs> like, like, I have said this, I have said this a thousand times, and I'm sorry to people that love him. Right now, Brooklyn is absolutely manhandling this Milwaukee team, led by Giannis, and I've said it a million times. If you gave me a, a list of NBA players and said, start an NBA franchise with this player, Giannis, I don't think is even in my top 10. <laughs> like yeah. this, this dude is not, he possesses some of the most physically freakish athletic things that anybody has ever possessed in the history of, uh, uh, of, of basketball. He's a freak athlete. He just doesn't have the skill to make him that like dominant franchise player. And so now you're seeing what's happening to him. He's a good defensive player too, but you know what? Kevin Durant continues to make him look foolish because Kevin Durant is seven feet. And I've said it forever. He's the best offensive threat in the NBA. And when he's healthy, good, good luck. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. You saw Go ahead, this coming from the beginning of the season. I mean, you knew Brooklyn was going to be there. At the end of the season, uh, no, you didn't. Yes, you no, you didn't. Yes, no, you the, didn't. The, the, Why? The, the NBA has become a league. No, you're so full of crap. No, I'm not. You're so full no, of crap. No, I'm not. No, I'm you not. You did not because... see this coming. Nobody saw this coming. Uh, everybody no. thought it. Everybody thought it could happen. But look at the storylines. Can Kevin Durant? If is he going to stay healthy? When was the last time Kyrie Irving was a positive impact on a basketball team? <laughs> when was the last time? When he's out he was on with the, the Cavs. Yeah. He was with the Cavaliers. He was with the Cavaliers the last time he was a positive impact on a basketball team. And then and then they trade for James Harden. And the funny thing is, they are dominating the playoffs. James Harden isn't even playing. Like, yes, I, I get what you're saying, Chad. When they put together this team in Brooklyn – did everybody go, whoa, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and then they trade for James Harden, whoa. Yes, everybody was like, oh, my God, that's a big-time team. It is, but it, it's requiring these guys to, to, to take a step in their game. It's requiring Kyrie Irving to play like he did five years ago, and it's the first time he's done that in five years. Sure, sure, and it's, and it's just going to keep happening. The stars are just going are, are, are to want to keep joining up with each other. And that, I mean, and that's the way the league is going. And that's fine. That's fine. I get it. I get it. They want to win. They want to win championships. And that's the and that's the way they're going to do it in the NBA. And that's fine. It's just not my thing. It's not. 
I mean, I think it happens everywhere. I, I just the NBA I, I, has this I, like. I, I don't think it happens. I mean, yes, it does. I, I I'm the, willing to concede that, but I don't think it happens as as much as it does in the NBA. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not as uh, it's not as like impactful in other. There, things. right? That's a right. good point, Joey. That's what I was yeah. going to say. It's you. You guys are anybody's crazy to say that it's not happening in hockey, or it's not happening in in football or whatever it does. It just doesn't matter when you get two stars that join the same team on a hockey team. It doesn't matter. Cause you got to have five. Yes, it does happen in hockey. Yes, it does. Tell me, tell me. Yes, when it does. When's it? Well, what you, what you don't, you have to have five lot. You have to have five lines in hockey. So it doesn't matter if you have two stars playing together, you have to have five lines playing in hockey. Oh, oh, give me one. Oh. Give me I don't know. Go look. I'm not going to go through transaction histories. It happens in every sport. You're crazy to think it doesn't. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't happen in hockey. Okay, so guys don't leave their teams and go to other teams. Well, they do, but not necessarily to form the super team. Because you can't form a super team in hockey. Right. Right. What are you talking about? And in basketball. Yes, that's that's why. It's the only. There it is. No, no, no. That was the argument. It's the only sport you can. So. It happens in every sport, but in basketball, it's the only sport you can form a super team because it doesn't matter. Again, look at the Browns. You can have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and you can have Nick Chubb and all that. It doesn't, you can't form a super team because you need 22 players playing all the time to win games. In basketball, if you've got three superstars and then a solid cast of role players, you can win a championship. Sure. In hockey, if you have two, three superstars and then the rest of your five, four other lines suck, you're not going to win. So it just doesn't feel as prevalent in other sports, but it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. <laughs> I don't follow. I just think it's, I, I just think it's it lazy. Doesn't, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because, because in the NBA, I mean, it, it, it at least feels like that, that guys conspire to do this. Yes. That guys conspire to do it's that. conversations that are happening without any GMs. It's players talking to players about going in lining of contracts. It's definitely a thing. Yeah, you're not in every sport, but but like to have the impact to go right for the championship, you don't you can't just like have four players in hockey move to another team and then expect to contend for a cup. Like it just right. it doesn't work like that. It's fair. It's fair what you're and they, saying. They don't do that just because they want to go play with their buddy. They go for the best opportunity for the player if they are a free agent. Yeah, but there's no. It isn't about playing with your buddy in basketball either. Oh, it's about playing with your buddy. Bullshit. It's not about playing. There's no rivalries in basketball anymore. There's it's not. not about playing. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant weren't buddies. They were oh, like no, best buds. No, 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 I'm gonna. Go, I'm once we get off the pod right now. I'm gonna go Google this, because I, 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 I specifically remember times that they've said we've talked about playing together for years. I remember yeah, reports okay. coming out saying we talked about playing together oh, okay. for years. So don't okay. tell me that they weren't buddies. These guys say what you will about that old era. And and again, this is another uh, big problem I have with the NBA. But say what you uh, will about that old era. It's fine. The guys today are way more athletic. But you know what? At least the great the greats back then wanted to beat the greats. They don't want to do that these days. They don't. That, and that's why there's no rivalries in basketball. I mean, it's nonsense, but. It's not. Okay. Nonsense. It's not. It is. It is it's nonsense. Not. 
No, it's not. You've had super, you've had super teams in basketball for a hundred years. You've had super team Clyde Drexler, Charles Barkley, and Hakeem Olajuwon. Pistol Pete, who did he want to join? Up that was that was a super team, and they joined forces to win games. Like it has happened, and like uh, just the way people talk about basketball of days of your basketball because they were slower and sometimes they clotheslined each other, and so it was better. No, it wasn't. No, no, it was I, not I, better. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do that because I know the generations have passed. Like, like it's, it's, you can't compare the eras uh, on a lot of things, but that's, but that's one of the things that I just can't stand about the NBA today. It is. It's, yeah. it's one of the things I can't stand. Yeah. Again, it's tough, I for, think, it's tough for the fan. It's tough for the fan. I think Joe's point is the fairest of all of them in that. Naturally. In that <laughs> when two superstars get together and join on a team, it's more impactful in basketball than it is anywhere else. But to act like it doesn't happen in other sports is crazy. Anyways, I never said it. it Anyways, I never never did, but that's okay. All right. All right. So we're, uh, again, I think, I think the NBA playoffs have been phenomenal. The, the, I am loving. I'm really looking forward to watching more of this Phoenix Suns. Uh, I love watching the Phoenix Suns. They, if you haven't watched them play, they are very fun to watch play. Uh, but yeah, we'll see if anybody can stop that Brooklyn. Uh, all of a sudden, Blake Griffin back to being his old like dunk over cars kind of Blake Griffin. Uh, that Brooklyn team. Uh, we'll see if anybody can stop them. But you got the NBA playoffs going on. You got the NHL playoffs going on. The Indians are playing slightly above average baseball. There's a lot of fun stuff going on, even though. We don't have a ton of involvement in any of the playoffs. We still like to watch them. So anyways, listen, that's going to pretty much do it for tonight. We have had uh, an awesome time going over all this stuff, the, the sports, the controversies, uh, our special guest, Natalie Coughlin. But before we get out of here, of course, we always like to do uh, our three cheers of the week. So guys, let's throw it around the horn. Uh, Joe, why don't you start us off? Three cheers yeah. of the week. Uh, Redeem I'm- yourself from last week. Listen here. Cheers we'll, to we'll the talk, truth. We'll talk about that later. Cheers to the truth. Anyways, well, last week, last week, we're like, everyone put in your three cheers of the week. And then uh, Michael's like, oh, after Joe does his, let's just do one for the troops. So I, I kind of left out to dry. Anyways, uh, I'm cheering uh, Floyd Money Mayweather. Uh, oh. And because I... It's so funny uh, how some guy is just out here, Floyd, is out here just making just a shit ton of money, just a stupid amount of money. And he's just pissing off the entire – like people are talking to him like, oh, these exhibitions that he's fighting are so bad for boxing. And he's like, I just got $10 million guaranteed from this fight. I am printing money. I don't – like it doesn't matter to him. Like he is just out there – awful flight fight it went the distance but it, it seemed i don't know it wasn't was it it's uh, so okay we can spend them joe I we love can spend a minute on it i love that you brought I, it up well it's the cheers is to the hustle though he's a legal the cheers yeah, is to I, the hustle. he's a legal I, bank robber and that's he's what he said. he said he said he is the most successful legal bank robber in history i love Listen, I, I love that i don't have a huge problem with the fact that he's going to make $10 million on this. Off an okay. exhibition. Okay. Off, could you imagine? Could you imagine Justin Bieber 
starting a spring training game and then winning ten million dollars. Right, right. Listen, like, I, like I get it. it's it's an incredible just amount of money for nothing, something that doesn't matter. I get it's it. Crazy. And, and and it doesn't matter to him, so it shouldn't matter to us, except for it fucking does. He, oh, that's the best part. He he, he doesn't care. There. Yeah, he doesn't care if, doesn't if, if people know him as a good boxer. Yeah, he doesn't care. No, he doesn't. His reputation is absolutely destroyed by what happened in that fight. His reputation as a boxer is absolutely destroyed in what happened in that fight. Yeah, you you're supposed to be one of the greatest boxers of all time. And you get in there and he like is, which Paul brother Logan Paul? I don't remember. He's got nothing go eight left to rounds prove. with you. He's got nothing left to I'm, prove. I'm, 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 I, I think that destroys the reputation. He's got nothing left to prove. He can it's not fight. about that. You that'd be like him. Okay, so what if I got in the ring with him and he let me go eight rounds? He would. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. That's awful. That is horrible for his it's reputation. It's an exhibition, though. He's not playing for anything. It's like it's like it's like my cut softball league. It's like you're not playing for anything. Whatever. I appreciate his hustle. What I can't believe didn't happen there. What I can't believe didn't happen. I can't believe they didn't get into like the sixth round because if like like if you're real serious, like I'm one of the greatest boxers of all time. Let's do this. You're gonna get to that like sixth round. This guy's gonna like this guy's swinging at your face, and you're gonna go, okay, cool. We made our money. I'm gonna knock this dude out. Like, that was a May- that was a Mayweather fight. When Mayweather was one of the like is one of the greatest boxers of all time, and the reason he's known for that is because of his defense. He's a defensive fighter. He, he was fighting fight. Logan Paul. <laughs> what? what? Lo- Logan Paul. Sure. Logan Paul. Yeah. YouTuber. Oh one one. He's oh one one. YouTuber. I don't want to hear about what Floyd Mayweather's. Fighting style is it's hilarious. You're boxing mean, Logan Paul. It's he one won. of the most. It's the funniest situation to ever have to boxing. It brought so much attention to the sport. It's hilarious. It's so great. I you mean, can't. Fought, that's why, Chad. What? He fought the way he always fights. That's already did. He fought the way he always fights. Oh, he I fought a YouTuber from Westlake. And knocked him out and then picked him back up. Which, by the way, accidentally knocked him out. Like, that's how you know. That's how you know that someone was a little up with that. But yeah, he did yeah, do and, that. And, and cheers and to the hustle. Whatever happened with the fight, the sport of boxing, who gives a shit? Cheer to the hustle. Oh. That's it. If I was another, uh, if I was another boxer, I, I would not have been. Would you want I'd to not fight him? I, I don't think I'd be okay with that. Would you want to fight him? Because I bet I bet he'd say yes to whoever was like, oh, wow, he's so disrespectful to our sport. And then he'd get another contract and go back in the ring. Listen, uh, wait, who, who, who wants Floyd. to fight who? A- anybody fight that's – anybody, not you, anybody in the boxing world that's mad at him for that fight, which is challenging to saying. a fight. And then it's a win-win for him because now he's going to make had, more money and then be 51 and no. He's had two other exhibitions where he's done the same damn thing. I know. And, and, and I hated those two. Right. 10, 20 fighting million dollars, whatever. Boxing Conor McGregor. Dude's not a boxer. Like, what? Still, that's more credible than the Paul brother. Fucking Paul. I know. Brother. I know. Oh, yeah. I just, oh, yeah. I just, I was hoping for some level of dignity as a person 
that he was going to like, all right, cool. We let this go six rounds. Now I'm going to knock your ass out. And he did. And then he held him back up and okay, fine. And but Connor, it, for those, for those first four rounds, Connor was trying to knock his ass out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, just to go along with that. I think the one that's going to get totally fucked is his brother, Jake Paul, because Jake Paul has scheduled a fight with, uh, I think it's a boxing match, but that's fine with former UFC welterweight champion, Tyron Woodley. Yeah. And Woodley isn't like having fun with this per se. Like Woodley's like, I'm here to stand up for, for combat sports. And I think Jake Paul is going to get absolutely destroyed. And that's yeah. all I want. That's, that's all I great. want. That's all I want. Just, just a couple of kids from Westlake, Ohio, getting their asses kicked on national. Uh, and if these, if these two clowns, listen, if you're not from the Cleveland area, if these two clowns keep talking about Westlake, Ohio, like it's the streets, like the slums yeah. of the world, they're like, man, I just had to get out. I just had to, I had to build my life out and get out of there. Have you seen Westlake. it? Mitchell's is? Oh my god, yeah. Mitchell's is fantastic. It's a brand new Mitchell's in Westlake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Chad, what's your cheer of the week? Uh, I'm gonna cheer the Islanders for for, for uh, the Islanders. Yeah, eliminating the other team that uh the, the, eliminating the other team that I wanted out of the playoffs. So now uh, I can uh sit back and really enjoy them now. It's probably a pretty somber night on our uh we'll call it a sister podcast on the uh on the belly up sports podcast network over on uh slapshot sweethearts. Cause that's hosted by a penguins fan and a Bruins fan. And the Islanders took both of them out of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Chad toast the Islanders. I'm going to give my last cheer. Uh, the last year of the week to uh, just a, uh, it's a seasonal thing. I'm going to cheers teachers, educators. Uh, they are wrapping up their school year. Another crazy year with, kids in school and out of school and virtual learning and not virtual learning and everything. Uh, but, uh, educators about to get a little time off a little summer action. Got to give them cheers for that. So to all the teachers out there, if you're a teacher and you're listening to the garage beers podcast, cheers to you. Uh, and thanks for everything you do. So, uh, boys, anything else before we get out? Nope. Nope. All right, let's do it. So, uh, just get our thank yous and we'll get out of here. Uh, first of all, uh, again, garagebeershop.com. Go check that out. Thank you to everybody that's already ordered. Oh, are you? Po- oh, you're pointing. Oh, hey, look at that. Uh, hey, hey. Uh, thank you to everybody that's already ordered on garagebeershop.com. If you haven't, get over there. We got these really awesome, comfy shirts. We got hats, uh, and they're really cool. So, uh, garagebeershop.com. I will put that stuff in the mail to you. Uh, special thank you goes out to our network, Belly Up Sports. Uh, we appreciate everything for them. And of course, a huge thank you goes to our special guest this week, Olympic legend, one of the most decorated Olympians of all time. One of the greatest swimmers of all time, Natalie Coughlin, uh, go check out her wine, check out her website, everything there. And as always, our biggest thank you of the week goes out to you. If you participated with us here on the live stream, or if you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate you for hanging out with us and enjoying us all the time. So for Joe down there in Nashville at Garage Beers, Joe, for Chad over there on the east side at Garage Beers, Chad, I'm Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike saying, hey, we'll see you again next week, episode 69. Nice. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.